Oh boy. <laughs> like, I turn it on and they're like zero people. I go, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> no one had told me no one was listening. But anyway, we'll, we'll pump it out. Get it. Um, so Toy Door got about um, you know five and a half thousand views. So it's pretty cool. Um, the last one. Okay, here we go. Okay, then I'll go to a Tiwi. No mahara mai ki tere hōtoka. Ko haka in the Matrix. Um, I'm here with Bill, <laughs> Bruce, <laughs> Mr. Bruce Simpson. Um, and I'll be introducing Bruce in a minute, but just prior to that, um, my name is Carl Burrows, and this is I'm from Haka Works. And as I said before, this is Haka in the Matrix. Why Haka in the Matrix? Well, Haka is what we do. It's what we love. It's about our culture. Um, it's also the knowledge that has been passed down to us from our ancestors. Um, and The Matrix, well, you'll remember the movie and Nemo was um, going through. Is it Nemo? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Nemo. It's not Nemo, it's Neo. Um, Neo, yeah. yeah. And he was going through the various um, worlds that he inhabited um, and just to find his own purpose in life. And that's what we're doing. And uh, we're lucky as Māori to have these tools that have been passed down to us. Um, from our ancestors and um, apply that, that to um, our journey in life to understand our own purpose as um, Māori, as individuals, and also as communities. Um, also, um, so we want to share that. That's what we do. But also in doing that, we just want to uh, really be sure that um, we're doing it in a way that's respectful to our culture and also um, in, ensures that the, that the mana that um, goes with that knowledge is, is, um, stays intact as, as we move forward. So today, as I, I said, I've got Mr. Bruce Simpson with us all the way from London. Really pleased to have you on here, Bruce. And um, before I get in um, your talk, I'm just going to do a quick mihi mihi and a karakia in Māori language. Um, and it's just like about a minute, but all we're doing is acknowledging um, you all, uh, acknowledging why we're here and also our ancestors as well. And also, um, we'll go into a karakia, which just gets us in the right frame of mind um, to achieve what we want to achieve tonight. So tēnā koutou katoa, wakarunga mai ki au tēnei wā, ki a māua, ko Bruce, he uri, he uri tēnei nō no Taranaki, nō no Wanganui anō uki, nō no te ao Pākea anō uki tēnei, e mihi ana ki a koutou. Tēnā koutou i rungi te kaupapa te wā, miki ko ngā taonga tokuiho nō ngā mātua tūpuna, miki ka huri ki a rātou, ngā mate o te wā, ngā mate e takoto ki rungi ngā marae o te kāinga, takoto, takoto, takoto. Uh, mate o tēnei, uh, wiki tēnei, marama tēnei tau, haere, haere, haere atura, rātou ki a rātou, tātou ki a tātou, a tēnā koutou. A kā huri, o ki te karakia, ko rangi ko papa ka puto ka rongo ko tāne mahuta ko tangaro tūmatu inga humi e tiki tiki ko tāwhiri māte. Tukuna tarangi ki runga ko papa ki raru. Kā puta, ko tērā tangatiki tau aia o ki te ao marama tihae maudi ora. Kā huri ki a koe, e hoa, I te tungane, I te, I te tuakana, I te rangatera, nei mahara mai, me ki ko, ko um, he uri uh, koe nō uh, tērā iwi rongonui ko Ngāti Raukawa, uh, nei mahara mai Ngāti toa nō hoki Ngāti Kahungunu, i ai te kōrero, nei mahara mai ki tēnei hōtaka. Kia ora, kia ora Bruce. Nā mahi ki a koe kas, mihi nui ki a koutou ngā iwi o te au hoki. Nice to see you. Kia ora. Awesome, really um, pleased to have you on. It's like we've been on this uh, similar journey together, so just to have the chance to share that, share your story with um, the world is just a, a really exciting opportunity for me. So really pleased to have you, Bruce. Um, so no maharamai. And let's just start off, um, just give us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and also I just want to know 
about you growing up in uh, in this this famous place called Bulls. <laughs> well, yeah, well, uh, called Bruce and Tokuingwa, and um, yeah, lucky enough, um, Bulls is uh, my my close marae to us, but um, I was actually brought up in Awapuni and Palmerston North all my life, right up until I left there to come here to the UK. Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, we lived in what was called a pepper pot community where we had uh, uh, Maori families who lived in amongst Pākehā families in areas in our suburbs sort of sort of thing. Um, and so um, it was quite strange to a lot of my mates. I used to get a bit of a hard time when uh, all the Maori uh, people in our and our suburb, we'd always refer to as uncle or auntie, and <laughs> my mates used to wonder why, or my Pakia mates wonder why, um, I, you know, I didn't use that title for uh, their parents and those things. But you know, it was a learning curve for them, and um, yeah, it was a great place to be brought up. I really enjoyed it. Uh, my mother was well known. My family was well known in the town for some, some mostly good things, some not so good. But you know, that's the way it flows in big families. Um, but in general, I had a really good upbringing, very um, close to my taha Māori um, in regards, but uh, my mother wasn't a Māori speaker. Um, but, so what's uh, your, uh, sorry, just coming in here, Bruce. Um, what's your connection to bulls and and um, your iwi around that area? Oh, my mum was born at her marae out of, out of bulls. So Parihuahua is my marae and bulls. Um, so yeah, that was the one that we were mostly at. Uh, my grandmother's from uh Kawiu in in uh Levin, uh, she's a Muopoko, uh, full blooded Maori. My mum, uh, and most of my mum and her uncles and aunties, uh, yeah, all Nati Dokoa, um, and Nati Tor as well. Uh, we come in through uh, Pari Wahawaha is the sister of um. Pari Kofatu, who's the mother of Te Paraha, and that's the strong connection to that side as well. But I come into Ngāti Toa through my um, Gotti side, through uh, Puhiwahine Gotti and, uh, and her husband, who was a German. So we've always been brought up with that close connection. But, yeah, Bulls is pretty much the place that uh, that we, we were always at, and, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be brought up around, and, and it's a beautiful place for me, I must say. Hey, um, just to everybody out there, thank you for um, sending us some mihi. So uh, we've got a whole bunch of people saying hello. Uh, so we've got PJ saying Deutz. Hi, Jerry over here in London. Kia ora, kōrua. Kia ora, Bruce from Andrew. Uh, we've got Mihirangi Hollings. Kei te mihi atu ki a koe Mihirangi. And Dino, Dino is from Toronto. Have you met Dino? Um, over in Toronto there, and then Emma from Bedford here in the UK. So if anybody has any questions for Bruce, just um, you can send them on, you can, um, or any comments you want to make, if you want to say where you are, where you're listening from, uh, just drop those into the uh, the chat and we'll see them and um, we can ask Bruce if we, any questions come up. Um, so just just about in terms of being Māori, you know, what are the, sub, I suppose, some of the values? I think you've really talked about them in terms of the closeness of family and whānau and also the connectedness that you have to your ancestors. Um, is there anything else that stood out for you um, growing up Māori? Um, certainly, um, I learned a lot about it coming here to the UK. And, um, yeah, I, you actually think that everybody's brought up like you. And then when I came here, I realised, you know, that uh, the population of Māori in Palmerston North is only about, I'd say, 15%, probably 17 at, at the highest sort of thing. So it's totally different than um, people who are brought up in, say, Gisborne or 
Kaitaia or, you know, even um, much bigger Māori areas that are that are in New Zealand. So um, you really do get a sense. Uh, the, the Māoris in Palmerston North were really quite cohesive. Um, you know, they, they, they would all get along, you know, because you are in a lower percentage. Um, yeah. And then when I find out that there are towns where who have, a, a, let's say, an 80% Māori population there, um, they could quite often have opposing almost sides or, you know, certainly in the gang membership and that sort of way. So, um, yeah, being brought up in Palmerston, it was really good. Um, we, uh, you know, never had a problem, never, never, never had any of those things. But my Māori side really came out when I came to the UK and it took a little while to for that to sort of surface as well. Yeah, I'm really interested in that journey too, Bruce, because um, you know I've been a part of that with you as well. So, um, so just the, just um, how were race relations in um, in those towns when you were growing up in terms of? Because I know you have a Pākehā father as well, like me. We're both um, we're Pākehā fathers and Māori mothers. So how was that for you? Um, it was really good, but I suppose you know you just didn't notice the discrepancies i mean it was just something that you know it was just the way it was and of course you know we'd call each other pejorative names you know in those days every every i had a uncle blackie and a you know <laughs> uncle nig uncle nigs and those sort of things and those were names that were just around at the time this is a much more enlightened time now but in those days um you know you you just took it on the chin there were a lot more maori jokes and as a maori you, you had to make sure that you're on top of your game. I've never ever liked it when we when when our own people have dumbed down. Much the same yeah. as my Irish father, who you know, who was pretty bright, and didn't really like that sort of generalisation of Irish people are thick and couldn't do things. Well, you know, for me as a Maori, and certainly in our family, um, my parents made sure that we would never um, dumb down to any audience. You know, yeah. that, and so we were never really allowed to play that sort of. I, I don't know how to say it, but uh, in that way, we had to always put our best foot forward whenever we were around people. And mm. I didn't really notice it until I came here, until I came to the UK. But uh, And then I did notice it, you know. Um, so just tell us about what, how did you, I mean, why did you come over the seas? And tell us a little bit about that, because I know you were in the US for a while. Oh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, the US came a little bit later. Um, okay. Much after just riding around, but... Um, I suppose from a really young age, I've had my British passport from the age of 16. I think I applied for it and I got it pretty quick. And ever since then, I knew um, that I'd be coming overseas at some time. I have a real love for history. Um, the particle accelerator that's in uh, Switzerland, I, I'd read about that and I've been building. I sort of liked being around. Everything in Europe seemed to be happening. Um, it was that way for many others. It wasn't a work thing. I had a really good job on the railway, so I was really, really well paid for a teenager. Um, but it was um, – I, I just knew I was going to come. Plus, I wanted to see my father's family too. You yeah. know, there's a, a whole side of your family you don't know. You don't know. Um, all, all my family in New Zealand, all, all my family are all, are all Maori, apart from my uncles and aunties, my mum's family who married uh, Pākehā, New Zealanders, but outside of that, um, you know, I never, we'd always known about our Irish side. We'd talked to them fleetingly on phones. You really didn't phone in those days. Most things were by correspondence. Um, but I knew I had them and I wanted to see them. Mm. Plus, I sort of like being um, a fish out of water. I like being the person who's different in the crowd. 
Sorry, it's yeah. probably not a humble thing, but I like that. <laughs> no, um, well, I think similar to me. Well, it wasn't the reason I came over, uh, you know, in terms of my English side or my Belgium side. Uh, it's more that um, I knew that my family was from over there and I wanted to come and explore and, and know who they are. Um, but actually the whole journey of coming over and, and you know, connecting with my Pākehā relations, my um, non-Māori relations was um, a, re a, re a way to grow into myself as well, you know, just as mm. um, growing into myself as Māori was important, coming over here to grow into myself as, as European was um, equally important to me and just made me a more fuller person, I suppose. It was. It was a real cultural shock, though, yeah. for them, for them too, you know. Come <laughs> on. You know, a guy like me turns up along here and, <laughs> and you know, I, I ate much more than anyone there, you know, because we were just used that. You know, when I was young, Māori guys would eat 10 eggs a day or something like that, and uh, that wasn't what they did. Eat a whole chicken in front of them. There was that, that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was just it was just like just a real cultural difference. But um, in spite of it, uh, you know, I had a real connection. I, yeah. You know, I'm Tangata Whenua here in the UK and in particular in Northern Ireland. And uh, when I go there, I always have a real sense of that. I performed yeah. over in Belfast recently and, and after the gig, um, yeah, I was really quite emotional after that one, sort of, because mm -hmm. those those are my father's people, and I'm there to not only educate them but to entertain them, and uh, they were really happy with the job, and so it meant a lot to me. Yeah, because we often talk about this in relation to our Māori side, but, you know, I mean, it's the same idea, isn't it? It has the same applicability in terms of our connection to our ancestors and, and what how, how they make us feel, well, in connection to the land as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I know particularly in Ireland, um, when you go over there and people, I mean, it wasn't so long ago people were living in clans or, you know, small tribes and small communities and they're all related. And even now you go to some of those places and you'll see um, nearly every business has got the same name. You know, it might be O'Connor, Butchers O'Connor. Um, <laughs> yeah, small towns. <laughs> yeah. Yes, o yes. O'Connor yes. Funeral Homes, you know. So yeah. it's, um, it's certainly... Those same ideas apply, Papa. Just like Jerome said, Kelda Jerome. Yeah. Um, in, you know, in spite of their dysphoria, they went to America due to the famine. Um, they have a huge amount of ahika there, and they did not move around much. Mm. There was very little places to go. So it was, yeah. you know, very feudal in, in in some ways. That you know, in a, in a feudal feudalistic sort of scenario, you do not move out of your out of your priory. You do not move out of your place. There's nowhere to yeah. go apart from where you are. So it was a brave move to go to America uh, in spite of it. But yes, very, I quite often get asked by the Irish press, um, how do you like Ireland? And I sort of say to them jokingly that um, the Irish are just like very pale Māoris and Māoris yeah. are just like very dark Irish people. <laughs> so yeah. there's humour, everybody sings, there's music everywhere, guitarist yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, everybody, you know, are very open, very raw, but very real. Um, and, you know, I feel very at home there. So. Yeah. So, hey, Bruce, you seem to be growing taller because um, the screen is now just cutting off the top of your head. So, oh, yeah. well, there's not much <laughs> on the top of my head. So, <laughs> <laughs> trying to hide it. Um, yeah. So, I, just on that note, I remember reading something in as a historical account of a dispute in Ngati Maru, which ended up in a, in a bit of a brawl. And um, one of the comments from the English was, um, the Māori seemed to be one of the most Hibernian people. And I was going, what's Hibernian? And I looked it up and it was, <laughs> it, was it was the Irish, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. very similar. Well, like, I suppose just more free with our emotions and, and connection to each other, yeah? Yes, but, but very bright, very, very entrepreneurial, very bright. Um, you know, it was a natural sense. And I must say that my father seemed to fit in amongst my mother's people uh, out there in Bulls. It was always a, you know, he, he always felt welcome. He had a real love for my uh, for my mother's people and, and and they for him, you know, including my mum, you know, sort of things. So, I mean, <laughs> there, are, there are times when he probably told jokes he shouldn't have, but um, when it comes with an Irish accent, uh, everybody tends to forgive it. So, <laughs> hey, um, so tell us what you did in London, and um, you know, want to connect us to your time in Ngati Ranana. Oh well, I come from a um, a line of uh, a family who's very much around the 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 bike community in, in New Zealand. So you know, uh, I was all my mates, and, and we were brought up in that sort of uh, environment. So the thought of coming over to the home of the British Bike Triumphs and uh, Nortons and BSAs. Uh, was really cool. On the day that I arrived uh, in England, uh, I bought a, a motorbike. <laughs> I think I bought two the next day after that. Um, simply, simply, you know, because they were just so cheap and and there were so many cars. I had a lot of mates who were um, over in America who were riding around America. A lot of people that I knew riding around America, buying up 50s American cars and bringing them back here to the UK and um, and taken back into New Zealand. So I was very much in that community, um, you know, with all those guys. So uh, so when I came, um, I think I did a job putting in uh, central heating for a guy for about, um, oh, it must have been two weeks. And then I met a guy at the church, the big, um, the big weekly, you can only say piss-up that used to be held. Uh, this one was down in Fulham at the time. On a Sunday, he was a triumph rider. He said, oh, I'm a motorcycle courier and I make pretty good money. Um, I've got a funny sort of memory, so that sort of things uh, to become a courier. So I became a motorbike courier for Addison Lee and straight away I loved the job. Um, and, you know, it just seemed to fit me like a glove. Never worked weekends. I got to meet the most incredible people via it. You know, I, um, just, you know, you wouldn't. It would look like name dropping, but I have just so many stories. Um, particularly when I was, you know, you'd be working for someone like Sony Entertainment. Uh, just so many stories of people that are household names in New Zealand, and you're there at a party uh, with them, and yeah, was in some strange circumstances. Uh, hey, just to come in here, Bruce. Um, just to say, in terms of what people won't know what you mean by your funny memory, what he means is that he's got an incredible memory. Um, for detail and, um, and facts and, and great at retelling stories. Uh, but also another thing that um, so many people have come across um, and, you know, randomly, you know, say I'm a New Zealander and they say, oh, do you know uh, Bruce? You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I heard this one before. Yeah, he was a taxi driver and he took us and he told us all these stories and I remember Bruce. So um, it must happen more than a few times. I must admit, Carl Burroughs, wherever I go around the world, especially at home, I keep bumping into all your phenomena <laughs> and people who go, do you know Carl Burroughs? <laughs> yes, very well. So, oh, um, hey, just want to jump in again while we're, um, while we're on this, uh, knowing people. We've got Kilda from Mary Fenwick uh, down in, south, in the south. Um, she says Kilda Bruce um, from Fire Jackie. Kilda Fire. And um, Tani Beasley's in New Zealand. Uh, lovely to have you listening to us. And she says, wonderful to see you both. Great way to start my, start my day in Aotearoa. Thanks for sharing. Um, um, 
I was going to say Matua Jerome. He's, I think we can that these days, can't we? Um, kia ora Matua Morena and Bonsoir from Renice uh, in Paris. Oh, tēnā koe, uh, Mr Nuku. Um, uh, kia ora Yeah. It's and, amazing um, to see what, what, what through London what has happened to Jerome. And, and that's it. We got him, both, both of us, as a 17-year-old schoolboy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I just went yeah. to school with uh, the three Hatapaura boys and to see him grow is amazing. Yeah. And I think that started in many ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we should talk about that, eh? But um, tell, tell us about what made you come to Ngāti Rānara and reconnect with your Māori whānau over here. Well, I first um, I first went to club in about 1985. Um, it was a bit memorable because <laughs> I was on my bike. I turned up in leather jacket. I had a cut-off on. Wrap round shades. I, I think I had a German helmet on or something close to it. <laughs> and the and the building was covered in scaffolding, and the door went. And I thought it was the garage, uh, so I rode straight in. And then I looked up and saw the the power he carved to buy one of my from uh, India to Weata. Mm. I saw that, looked down at the floor, and then Kuirahira uh, was there again. Like, Lahira Windsor was there going, get that bike out <laughs> I had to backpedal my bike out and sort of, I only come into the doors a little bit, but then I go, oh, no, that's not the front entrance. And, um, but that was the first time, and I went up then to, um, I was feeling probably a little bit mooky mooky or lost. Uh, and in many ways, there was something um, sort of missing in my life. And then I went up and met to the penthouse uh, in New Zealand house, and then um, they just said, oh, sit here, and they kept me sitting there for like 45 minutes. Why Esther was there and a few others. They always remember because I was walking around on the outside of the balcony, peering in with my sunglasses still on, and they were sort of going, oh, hika, he's a fella. And then um, they opened the door, and they just said, come sit down. And I sat down, and after about 45 minutes, they just turned to me and said, uh, you know, and who are you? And so I uh, introduced myself, um, and uh, that was the first time. <laughs> um, and then I was sort of around them on and off. I never really came in as a performer, but um, it was just a, a real relief to be around those sort of aunties. You know, I've been brought up with lots of aunties, lots and lots of aunties and uncles, but, you know, that that auntie discipline that you get, you know, the, the way that you – gauge yourself against how they work and and so it was nice to sort of you know having people tell you what to do after being so free from home for that time so yeah there was i really loved being there and um so i'd been around them and then i'd had many friends who were members of nati danana and then around about um 2003 i think it would have been about there um I started making moves and I met uh, Kat Munro, who was a member of club, and um, I said to Kat, I'll come in with you. And there were some people who had joined as well recently into club. And then I came there and sort of sat down really again to just sort of sit and watch and be around it. Uh, but as club does, they talked you into a gig within the first two and a half months and I was in a pew-pew in the back of Brixton um, <laughs> at a pub for a Kiwiana day doing a gig, nervous as. Uh, yeah. And that was the start of that. And then um, I knew then because I was getting older, I'd have to take a much more sort of um, a sense of what I was doing. So 
really hit the books and talk to everyone. The good thing about Ngāti Rānana, there's just so many wonderful people that come in and, and, and head it up and lead and and uh, very generous with their matauranga uh, and, um, and you're just learning. And, you know, I did Māori at, at school when I was young, at high school for like three years uh, with John and Kahu Tapiara and uh, Moana Davies. And then I was at Tu Tangata in Fitchett Street with um, uh, Muni uh, Taumonu. And uh, so, you know, I was there for about a year with Muni before I went and joined the railways. And so, you know, I had some some things to ground me and remember what I was learning. But it was just a reawakening, I would say, of those yeah. things. And, and yeah. I loved it. You know, I loved yeah. it. And, and um, uh, But I'd always had that strong sense of Māori. Then. Like, ever since I've been to London, regardless of the absence of te reo in my in my mind i've always uh stood as a as a maori man and mm. and not just as a new zealander you know even when i was a kid you know i was always that maori kid yeah. <laughs> in the neighborhood you know but, it, like, um, but but i think too is like you say you know back then you're a child and you know different mm. um expectations upon you and as you come over here and you know in your journey around the world and come back as a pakeke as an adult mm. Um, people expect you to do different things. So um, yeah. I just I think one of the things that I really admired about you is just, you know, how you embraced that responsibility and, you know, took it seriously and, and just, um, you know, took to upskilling yourself. And I, I agree, there's so many people here that we, we, we've been able to draw on both of us um, to help us do that because things have changed quite a lot, haven't they, from the time we left Aotearoa? Certainly. Now. I mean, it is huge. It is, mm. it is just huge. I mean, Kohanga hadn't even started when I left. Um, you know, and um, those, you know, those sort of options that are there now. Um, but with that has come a sense of a, a sort of renaissance period of strong Māori and, and it really has been there, you know. And, and the wonderful thing, we've always had those wonderful uh, taonga that have been left to us, uh, and they are so popular in the world. I mean, they're so popular with people that the Māori footprint over here in Europe and on this side of the world is, is one of strength and and mana and 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 monarchy and benevolence and love and and spiritual spirituality and yeah. and even though I lack something sometimes there, um, it has you know it's an amazing sort of thing. And when you look back in New Zealand, the Maori who are there think that everybody sorry, and I'm generalising, but many Maori think that the world hates them. And then you get over there and you over here and you find out that the world. Yeah sort of loves you yeah <laughs> that's uh it's such a, a different thing but um yeah so yeah, just coming coming in on there bruce um i think yeah just want to agree with you i think people have you know the generations have changed over time um we're seeing a lot more skilled people coming in um that have been brought up with te reo and tikanga is not something that would like us we'd have to sort of fight for and you know try and obtain ourselves through our own personal learning um, to, to a bigger extent than most, at least, you know, because that was just our time. Um, and so I just think the quality of people coming over here is it's really exciting for us over here in London and Ngātirānana. But, um, yeah, just moving on to that last point, um, because I think this is really, I mean, for me, this is why, why we started um, Manaya was that, you know, you just realised um, actually um, we've been putting ourselves down or, you know, or other people even putting ourselves down back at home, uh, and we don't have often have a good view of ourselves as a result. I mean, this is this is uh, because of colonisation and the racism that comes comes with that. 
I would agree um, with that. Yeah, and then you come out of that environment and then you just being who you are and then um, you just realise that actually a lot of the world is missing the qualities that we have and want them and just want to share them. So um, that was one of the first things that sparked to my mind as well, um, you know, a long time ago, 20 years ago. Mm. But, yeah, um, so tell us, I mean, that doesn't... Personally, I don't, I, I just, um, for me personally, my my taha Māori was never a weight though. It, like for many people, the more knowledge you carry, the, the more weight that is there in many ways, the more that you have, have to uphold things, the more things you have to stand up for. Um, for a guy like me who who came with not as much tauranga as that, then, then that weight isn't, uh, uh, it's not a burden, but you know, that what, your expectations are nowhere near as, as much, are nowhere near as concentrated as they are for our young Māoris. And when the new group um, came into London, where we started getting um, adults who were brought up in Kohanga, um, that's where you really did see the difference, you know, because all of a sudden they were adults now and they were travelling over here and they'd had it from top, um, from bottom to top, um, their taha Māori with them always, and you really saw a difference. I mean, you would get people come over sparsely who would come over like that, you know, and 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 you would get those people who are very, very matato. But then all of a sudden there was a huge influx of people who were very, very strong in their yeah. in their Maori knowledge and, and what they represent. And yeah. that was a total different. Yeah. And, and and lucky enough that, that they were very generous in, in that way too. Yeah, and also um, highly skilled too in, in other aspects. Very. You know, and, yeah, and came over and took on professional jobs over here. Um, and it's still it's still happening. It's still exciting to see. Um, tell tell me about. So I just want to hear a little bit more about um, what are some of the things that people recognise in us that we take for granted that are actually you know has a, have, has a real appeal for people who aren't from who aren't Maori. Well, I I suppose first that that it is hard that these things have become so popular because then there's a case of. Uh, appropriation <laughs> that comes up too. Tamoko being one of them. I mean, uh, when when we were away, uh, me and you, and we were all performing in Paris for the 2007 Rugby World Cup, um, I noticed that um, when teams would go down into the scrums, um, players from Italy and France and from all over the world who you know, who played for those teams all had puhoro and 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 things like that. That that was a real eye opener, you know, and 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 those sort of things. Um, are things um, tamoko? Yeah, it's a it's a hard one because you're always trying to say to people, um, yeah, well, it's better to have your tamoko done from a Maori person. But you would have had this too when people come up and show you their pseudo tribal tattoos, and I don't want to I don't want to bore them out or break them down. You know, I'm not, I'm not there to do that. So you say, well, you know, that's very nice, and uh, the, uh, do you know what it means? And they go, oh no, you know my. My mate from Norway, he's a tattoo artist, he did it. <laughs> yes, I can tell it's not by a Māori because it, it doesn't really make sense in many places and yeah. it doesn't really draw But next time, um, if you want to, you can get in touch with people, us in particular, and we'll lead you down a path to, towards a tamoko artist who will be able to lead you down the correct uh, sort of pathway to get uh, kiri tuhi and um, those sort of things. Um, I honestly, be, I, I've never really um, helped. Yeah. <laughs> so the other things, kapahaka, obviously, kapahaka yeah. is so uh, palatable. It's so easy to listen to. It's 
you know, and I, I hate to say it again because there's meant to be a sort of set, but wherever we go as a Rodopu with other things, we tend to, to get the top billing. <laughs> when we've been in, in, in gigs, when we've been at those multicultural, multi-international performing performing shows that we've done so many times, like we did in Belgium, and you always you always become pretty much within the second day the the, yeah. the number one billing group. Mm. So it's 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 the crowd so, draw. Yeah, so there's a bit of you. We're unique. Um, we're different. Um, there's we don't really often get South Pacific or Polynesian or Maori groups over the side of the world. Mm. Increasingly, so we are now. Um, so there's not a lot of exposure. Um, but it, what is it about our performance that you know people are attracted to? Um, I think that, that a lot of people in the world are looking for something, and they're looking for something that we have. Um, which is a strong connection to our cultural past, uh, a strong uh, ability to walk quite strongly through today's modern world. So, no, you know, knowing knowing where you, you come from, but also being able to move in a very Western sense through this world. You know, as I said, Māori are very entrepreneurial. We have many, many, you know, people working in very diverse fields now. Māori people uh, are really hitting those targets. I mean, that, you yeah. know, the... They're hitting some bad ones, but they're hitting a lot of very good ones. And there's more to come. And you know that, and I know that. There's more to come from them. And people can see that sort of sense of, that sense of pride, but that sense of um, settlement, like that sort of toe feeling we have when we walk with that. I mean, you see our girls when they're, when, when they're performing and when they're walking through crowds, just how, when they're not laughing and joking all over the place, but the sense that they hold themselves, the way that they hold themselves, you can... It, 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 it's you know you can feel it you can see it and people respond to it and um yeah. same as when i know when i enter a stage and i've got six guys with me and they're powerful looking you know look at you know i'm three years away from 60 so it's harder to get there but i still have to come out and give that that sort of kaha that sort of displays that and then mm. what i love about it is what they would see as a very macho sort of thing that all of a sudden our boys and our wahini will break out into these beautiful, melodic, waiata, uh, you know, kapahaka, even even the strength of mōtetia, even though people don't know what it is, they can see that expression on them. And, and so it's a real draw for people who haven't had that, that cultural base. I mean, the people around Eastern Europe, they're very strong to their countries. They're very strong to their cultural yeah. base. But as the as you move further west and through Europe, then people are looking for things, you know, in, in those countries right through, and and we seem to have the answer for them. Yeah, I Whether think we, um, I agree, Bruce, and I, and I think it's mainly the Western world as well. I think yeah. places like Poland seem to be a lot more connected to who they are, but they certainly um, are. Yeah, but people in um, the US, um, you know, Australia, <laughs> New Zealand, uh, and the UK and in Western Europe, I think. I think the focus has been so much on individualism and science and so moving away from the sense of connectedness to community and the spirituality that, I mean, these are things that are quite difficult to, to express. You know, you, you see how people walk, but how do you explain what it is you're feeling as a result of them walking? You know, really difficult to understand or articulate. Um, but, I, you know, I, I agree it's all in there somewhere um, and it's just a matter of um, packaging it. Hey, I just want to move on to... Um, Yep. how this sort of ended up being sort of a work for you 
you know, and um, and I know you've been doing this for a few years now, a long time, and you know, really successfully. So, just really wonder how how did this sort of transition from this idea of well, I suppose for me at least, it was about seeing the value um, as we discussed, and then sort of trying to share it. And tell us a bit about that. How does it how did it all work for you? Well, I've been uh, obviously um, I've been doing uh, performances with Manaya, and I really enjoyed it. And I was I thought that you guys were quite benevolent to have me. <laughs> but it must have been something about height and size mainly because um, – but um, it was a slow sort of thing. But I think how it sort of happened moving out on my own was um, we um, – the boys, you know, I ran these houses that had many Māori living in it. Um, at one point, at this one, there was about 12 or 14 living in this house and they'd come back from a gig and I said to them, well, they look a bit deflated and I said, what's wrong with you? And they said, oh – we just did this huckle workshop and, you know, there was a Pākehā fella leading it and they, they they felt a bit uneasy about it. And I said, oh, you know, okay. And then a couple of months later, they come in with the same look and I said, um, what's up with you guys? And they said again, oh, just we did this same same group did a huckle workshop. So I said, you know what, I'm going on the next one and then on the next one because they were dressed in all blacks gear and stuff like that. So the next one I went with one of our guys and we took him we said that the, come in kākahu, full traditional Māori kākahu, and said, okay, this is how the workshop's been done. Um, that guy over there, he's not running it anymore. <laughs> um, um, you know, uh, we've got guys with far more knowledge and know how to connect, and if anyone's going to connect our, our cultural identity with anybody, it's going to be us. And so um, this fella here, he's going to do it, which he did. He was really very much a toe. Uh, Jordan at the time, and then um, and that's sort of how happened. And then those guys were running them for a while, but then they slowly went off and went home. Um, and all of a sudden, there I was left out in the front. <laughs> I'd only ever done it once, and that was when I was with you, I think, and your voice went a bit croaky. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to jump in Dusseldorf of all places. That's right. Hey, I must, okay, I'm just going to come in here because it was like a pivotal moment for me. Um, I was. I remember this. We we're in front of four hundred people on stage, um, running out onto stage, and then doing haka. Um, and when you do haka, oh, too sorry. excited. <laughs> and when you're sorry. overexcited, when you do haka, um, there is a possibility you can lose your voice. And luckily, <laughs> there was not. And I lost my voice um, in front of four hundred people. I was, I was about to do a presentation. Luckily, I had Bruce there because. Um, <laughs> you're able to step forward and, and take the reins. It was, it was so embarrassing, but anyway, just had to get over it. But, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, bro. It was such a – it was a good gig, though. And um, that was – yeah, that, that was a good gig for the largest central heading firm in the UK, I believe. But, um, yeah, but it does. But um, lucky enough now, you know, my voice is hucker fit. I can shout all day. I've done, yeah. I've done seven workshops in a day in our region. And uh, get through it, but you're not too good the next day. But no. um, and so, I tell us about. Just give us a general overview of what you do and how you pitch the clients and that sort of thing. Well, yeah, I'm a bit brazen in, in how I do pitch it to them because I make it more than obvious sometimes. I'll turn up at Twickenham uh, <laughs> like full, uh, you know, moko stenciled on and feathers in my hair. So there's, it's hardly very uh, ambiguous where I'm from, and so. You're just hoping to start those conversations. The good thing about rugby, so there is a connection, you know. We we spend our time telling people that haka has very little to do with rugby. And that is one of the main things that we get across. Um, 
but it is also there where the corporate world is. Rugby is far more corporate than football. And 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 so when you're at these games, they have a far, far more corporate leaders, corporate owners, um, managerial percentage. And so at games, you know, that's where the conversation strikes up. Although it is sometimes hard to bear because I I sometimes wonder whether I'm talking to people and I I, I like talking to people, uh, whether I'm talking to them because I like them or whether I'm trying to get business. But, you know, the product is very good. Um, yeah. We've never had a bad one over hundreds and hundreds of pucker workshops and um, you strike up a conversation and that. But um, there's also um, the mana that I, I get um, oh, sorry if that's the way I put it, but from being with Nati Ranana, um, the London Māori Club, because um, you get to work on a guy like me, uh, because of my age maybe, uh, gets to uh, run gigs on such high-profile things like All Blacks rugby games and and museum openings around Europe and those sort of things. You know, I even got to run a Rōpū to open the New Zealand Embassy in Dublin uh, last year, I think. Um, and you know that would never happen to the Bruce who first arrived here. So, but um, so, so those things. Sort of thing, um, just the All Blacks. Um, you know, I've, I used to always annoy me about the All Blacks, and you know, people think hackers about the All Blacks. But um, I think two things have happened. One, um, I've got over it, and I've, I think we have a lot to to thank. <laughs> yeah. we, we have to thank the All Blacks for you know bringing <laughs> yeah. the exposure um, of our culture to the world. And the second thing is, I think the All Blacks have changed up their game as well. You know, there's a lot more um, understanding of the depth of what haka means. And there is, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, they certainly like Enia uh, um, Maxwell and certainly uh, Derek Lardelli and that lead those guys through, and of mm. course Nati Tor with their guidance, and uh, it was good. But um, you know, it was good. I actually felt better when when um, Nati Tor, Rangatira were were okay with it all. I remember writing a letter uh, to 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 them and. Um, offering a koha actually, but they just said no. You you fuck a papa straight into Nati Tor through your yeah. Pukiwahini side, and um, everything's cool. And all we want to do is send us uh, back things of stuff that you've been doing, and um, that that was a real ease. And yeah. so when you do stand up on those stages, you are very aware that you're not only representing yourself or your company. That's the last thing you know. You're representing a huge amount of people at home, and. Um, and their traditions, and um, right. you know, I'm always checking with my uncles and aunties on my Nati Toa Rangatira side. Um, is everything okay? And and things are good, and showing them how what's going on. Um, I suppose the first person I saw was um, um, Wetini Mitai, um, Tamatidai Iori, who were performing at Waterloo Bridge. I think you were there at that time, and and he came out and he had such a humor to him, so he was talking about our culture, but. He did it with such humour and 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 real vigour and real entertainment value. And I thought, wow, you know, you can have a good time with your culture and entertain yeah. people. And yeah. I suppose that's the way I tend to go more. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, I was talking to him later. We went to dinner later because uh, he knew family members of mine very well, and and it was a real good talk. And and then just being here in London, you get to you know, Amsterdam, who was the kaimatua for the New Zealand Olympic team, and I ran the porphyry for that at Hanimihi. And you know, I got to spend a lot of time with Amster, and and you know, they were they they had a lot of questions, and they answered them really well, which is just you know, carry on and, and do what you do, and you won't please everybody. That's the yeah. one thing that you had to remember, in our in our in our 
tell Māori is that you cannot please everybody. There's always, mm. and trying it is just impossible. So what is, um, yeah, I mean, well, the, the reality is what we were doing, uh, what we've been doing for a long time now, about 15 years, was kind of, was was breaking, you know, it's nobody else was doing it. Um, I mean, I think people might have taught haka at Rotorua uh, prior to this, but um, for us to go to the extent that we've done is um, sort of groundbreaking in a way, um, you know, and just in terms of something different and innovative in terms of rather than just performing. Um, but, you know, not every everybody's is happy with it, as you've said. And so what's some of the criticism that you've received, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I've, I've never really had it, I, I must yeah. admit. Um, yeah. I'm pretty safe. I've had uh, an agent who was dealing with us. Um, some people went on there and attacked an agent's site. Um, but, you know, I, I just posted up my papa and a letter and some other introductions, and they pretty much stopped almost in a couple of hours. I know yeah. that it could happen. Um, but, you know, when I went home last time, I always talk about the people that I represent and my elders and all of that. But to tell you the truth, um, the last time I went home and with the passing of my mother last year, there's pretty much no one above us now. I have a few aunties and uncles who aren't out there so much. But um, um, so um, I, I've never had it, Carl, you know. Yeah. Had, you know yeah. I, uh, no, I, I agree. I think there's... I think people want you to be careful, um, mm. you know, that want you to be um, and treat what we're doing with respect and be safe. Mm. And um, and I think as long as they understand that's what's happening, people always tend to be supportive, you know, not not openly raving about it because it is new and it is out there, mm. um, but they they always tend to be supportive of um, of, of what's what we're doing. So we always make sure that the, the main thing is the Manaki, the guys who are with me, you know, that they're well looked after. I mean, we, we do get to take young, young Māori from New Zealand to the most incredible places, you know. I mean, look what you did for Glastonbury, uh, taking those guys to Glastonbury performing there. I mean, that, that crew was over the moon. I mean, that, it was a life changing thing for them to go to this, to this festival, but not only that, just, wow, you know, I sent a team to the Bahamas once, um, <laughs> the other nice things, you know, you know, just just even going to Turkey, it's it's what you get to do for your people too. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's a business is one thing, but the fact that you're able to take these young people out and 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 really let them enjoy it, and particularly ones who weren't so strong in their tahamari, and particularly to have those uh, guys there and and really get them to fall in love. With their with their Maori them again, um, that that's a real thing. Not only through club, but through our own businesses, and I really enjoy it. And the actual fact is, they are all just wonderful ambassadors to their culture. You know, the guys I have, that they, they can be clowny and they can be everything else, but when they're on stage, they stand mm. so so well and and they give it their all. You know, we can't all be a Matatini Championship group. We can't all be. It's harder to keep that quality. And sometimes your groups are really, really good, but with the with the with the nature of our people going and coming and coming and going and coming and going, you know, um, sometimes it is. But no matter what, um, those core values of Manaki and looking at and representation are still there. Are mm. still there, and and you mm. always have that with you, no matter where you go. Yeah. And we're lucky. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree, Bruce. Um, and I think Manaki Tanga is probably the most important thing that we have, you know, in terms of, and it's humbling uh, to provide, you know, these opportunities. But also, I think it is one of, one of the one, not the difficulties, but one of the, I suppose, in terms of upholding that value, 
it's it's our job to make sure our we communicate to our clients we need our young people to be looked after right? we need our people to be looked after well the hard thing is i suppose the one thing is to make sure that your ego isn't the thing that when you're telling a ceo or a client or a big client you know that's huge these blue chip companies no nah, we can't do that mm. <laughs> you know, no we, we can't do that you know and that sort of you know aren't you like just a hired sort of ticky bar group you know no no and uh, that's not going to go you know and you have to think what well, is it me am i am i just annoyed at that customer and am i pushing back at him but you you know you you learn to keep yourself in check and go no that's not possible um that's not going on in particular when you've been brought in to do a porphyry uh process for a um uh a new zealander or a Māori in particular uh, going into a sports team that's been introduced into a sports team over here and they want you to go do that. Trying to tell them and TV producers and these people know that's not going to happen um, and standing by that. Um, mm. Do you walk away annoyed at them or do you just walk away and say, no, you did the right thing, you can't do it. Um, I've been with your crew and I've seen them do it and and it was good, it was the right call, um, you know. Because yeah. those things can get you in trouble with yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They can get you in trouble with yourself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's been a couple of times, I suppose, for the first time ever, I did a gig just before uh, Christmas Eve last year. It was probably the first time I thought, yeah, I should have walked off that stage like 30 minutes ago because it was more of a, a party atmosphere that just sort of got carried away. And then, you know, yeah. next time I'll call it quicker. It never happened before, but next time I won't yeah. let it happen. And some of these things are just experience. But, um, you know, I agree that, well, you've got to know yourself. You've got to know who you're, where you're from, who you're from, and the, and the tikanga that you've been taught. Um, mm. And I think, I mean, tikanga is obviously flexible because, you know, we're, we're applying it to new situations. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, when the, when the line is crossed, it's just a matter of communicating that clearly to your client. Um, and uh, And... Well, every time they understand, you know, if you're able to say, actually, we don't do it this way because of this, what what are you wanting to achieve? And then they tell you and you can say, well, we can do that, but we're going to do it this way, yeah. you know, uh, and then we're safe. My people are safe and you're going to be safe and everything's going to be OK. And then they appreciate that. And they and that just brings more value and more depth to what we're doing. And they, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, so, it, is, it is cool because if you get repeat work in those things, then you really do get to shape things. And um, yeah. a really, really big firm, one of the largest food producing firms in the world that I was dealing with, um, they came with a whole team who who were trying to seem to make the company seem more sustainable and more modern in today's way of thinking. And I asked them, is this just lip service? You know, are we, is this the tokenism? And then the CEO came in and, and talked with me and says, no, we, we really want to head in this direction, Bruce. And, and that, and that's really, that's really heartening, you know, to, to have mm -hmm. that, to have these corporations, because money is the thing that they, they are there to do. They are there to make money. Um, but they've taken on uh, more of a, uh, a monarchy sort of value and a monarchy sense to look after the people who work for them. And I don't know if it's real, and I can't tell, but they certainly give you a good opinion that that's what they're doing. And my own partner, Taser, you know, uh, she said that the company she works for and certain companies, um, they're heading towards it, looking after their workers more, um, you know, well-being. There was no occupational therapy when I, <laughs> when I was young on the railways, you know, it was do they work or not? But, you know, these companies, it's more than occupational therapy. And they use us to sort of sometimes 
heal that non-unification that they have within themselves and they bring us in to get them more unified. It may not take them all the way there, but it certainly kicks them in that direction. Um, yeah, so it opens up there, um, it sparks the idea, the thought that hey, we can be united um, around this. And I think I, I tell the story quite often. It's, um, you know, when we did a, the way we got started is we did a performance for IBM, IBM and it was just a performance. And then the, the CEO comes up to us and said, hey, we love watching you perform, but we want to feel what you feel. You know, and that's this idea of being united and, and solid as a, as a team, um, willing to express ourselves and commit to our passion and our purpose. And that's what companies want as well. So, and you're right, we're not there to, you know, take them the whole way, but we're there mm. to open them up to these ideas, you know. Yeah, it's, it's certainly, it's a questionable thing, but it's nice to know that that you're having cause and effect in some ways. And, you know, yeah. and we go in there with the best intentions, um, in, in many ways, it's a strange thing because um, you know we're more than these than a hotel group just coming out and entertaining guys. You know you're there to 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 you know you know yourself that there are people after the performances have come up and cried and you know in particular. I mean I've you know I've, I've tongued on stage because something has hit me in particular mm -hmm. um, last year with the loss of our close mate. Joy, you know, that hit me on stage a few times, I, I've got to admit. And uh, and just just that that power, but it comes out in your performance and mm. people feel that, you know. Yeah. After the, the massacre down in Christchurch, um, my rounding up um, corridor, which wasn't planned or anything, and I just said, you know, we talked about that haka at the moment has been used to make us more cohesive, to say to those people who were attacked, who were survived and who are still there, that you know we are Maori and, and and we are there and we're there to stand next to you and and people really responded to that. Yet I didn't do it to win a crowd. You just do it because yeah. that's how you felt. You were carrying that 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 sort of mamai through that performance because it had happened, you know. And you're up there on stage, but it just comes out and and um, and I really and I really like what we get to do in, in that sense and really change the view. Um, and regardless yeah. of size, you know, there's thousands and thousands and maybe even hundreds of thousands of people that have seen us, us perform in our in our different groups, you know, it's 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 they are, they get touched and, and it leaves them with nothing but a good impression of our people. Even yeah, another um another just another thought came to my mind when uh, we did this three hour workshop uh, with a company and then at the end of it we asked them, you know, for feedback and and I'm sort of expecting some of the cliches you get with haka that people see haka and they say, you know, it's all about aggression and masculinity and feeling good and powerful. Um, but the feedback was that was really humbling, you know, and when you sort of hear that, you just think, oh, it sounds like we, it feels like we've done something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's the learning curve. The learning curve isn't doing the performances. Um, it's it's quite strange how how adept you do get at it, and um, you know. But you go and when you when you're doing these things, and and even though it's not mine, you have a real uh, proprietary nature about how you feel about the performance that you're going to do and what it is that you're taking there. Um, even though you're representing many others, you want to give it your best. You you yeah. want to do your best. I mean, it's not just ah, uh, you know, just get through there. It really is most of the time, nearly all of the time. 
it's 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 you're trying to eat your best. You want to connect and you want to leave people feeling better because that's what you want, and you just, want to leave just, people feeling better. Just don't go too hard and lose your voice. <laughs> I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, just just want to touch on. I think what you're saying is lovely. I, I really appreciate it, Bruce. Um, it's it's nice to be able to get to this level of, of depth in this corridor. Um, just and we touched on some of the um, you know some of the i suppose things that we struggle with in terms of making sure that we do what to meet the expectations of ourselves and our people back home um but there are people now who are doing similar things to us you know in terms of teaching haka and sharing maori culture um who aren't well i'm not even sure if, if being not maori is the the th is the issue um but anyway they just they don't know what they're doing you know they and, and here they are teaching Maori culture and just what are your thoughts about that? Um, well, you know, yeah, I don't like that when they're out there running businesses, of course. But then all the school kids that we've taught Kapahaka when they're performing those songs, um, yeah. So the, so the businesses, let's get those those ones first. No, I don't like uh, anyone apart from Maori really doing tamoko. It's just the way it is, you know, we fuck a papa into that into that knowledge, and that should be us who sort of take that knowledge out there and, and to do it. Um, uh, there are many people though who love it, and and they really do love, and they go into the depths of it, and they learn from it. But um, you know, they are our they are our gifts, and they and and um, and we have a depth of feelings for it that 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 takes us to another place with it. So. Those sort of things. I, it's a hard job when 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 we get those Tamil guardas come over from New Zealand who go and have talks. They quite often think that they're going to change those people and then come back very deflated, knowing that they can't. Uh, you know, it's, they just can't. Um, uh, the Haka yeah. workshops, though, we can. Uh, we know that we can win those. That that sort of thing. We can go collectively. Uh, certainly. Um, Kane, who's working over in in Denmark and in that sort of part, is. Uh, quite on the case in that sort of way. We're working with teams in Germany doing it and that. But, um, you know, that's the other thing. The difference between I've had customers who have had those guys and then they come to our guys and they just, you know, they, they just say the difference is, is that, is, you know, is huge. Yeah. Um, and so that's the importance of keeping that sort of, uh, that sort of strength and that that sort of knowledge. But it's it's a, it's a big fight. A lot of the times when people like in France um, did that haka at that law firm when they were demonstrating, they didn't do that to mock us, though. I, I'm quite sure. They did that They they do that because they love us. They love our culture. They love the haka. They, they see it. They don't know because forever they've been living in the Western construct of, of, of traditions, which is, you know, just use a tradition wherever you want. If people are going to put it out there, then we're going to grab it and, and take it. And it's mm. nice when we're able to stand up there and say to people, uh, yeah, you know, within the realms of what we've taught you and those things that that is for us you know you can talk about it with your family i'm fine like that but i don't expect to see you uh, with business cards <laughs> flying out there later so yeah it's it's not easy because um here we are teaching um but you i mean i think for me i only want to teach people as a way for them to understand who they are you know these yeah. parts of themselves that they've hidden um, because of the way their culture is um, we're here to bring that part of them alive but I don't expect them to go out performing everywhere, you know, as a group or um, 
or starting to teach, you know, just know what it's about. And they just don't have, if they want to, I think, you know, if they really want to know haka, I say to them, go to New Zealand. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I try to direct people to to videos of certain things. The hardest group, the hardest group, the, the main uh, appropriation is from non-Māori New Zealanders themselves, I suppose. And it's not sort of their fault that they see it as their gift too. You know, I, I understand mm. that. I see it. It's, no, it's not like, a, you know, it's not like they haven't been led down a path that says this is yours by way of our national rugby team. So, um, but um, but things have changed. Things have mm. changed now. And uh, our haka performed by the, by the All Blacks is in another stratosphere from what was performed from the All Blacks up until 1985, I'd guess. And um, so... So um, it, it is with our young New Zealanders or with our New Zealand people trying to say, you know, um, yeah, that's not right, buddy, and no, you can't do that. And, you know, <laughs> you know that's just the way. Um, I, I, I'd be lying if I haven't uh, said that I've done a haka uh, at being in a pub to say goodbye, to to welcome people. It's, it's it, you know, we've done waiata and, and haka to say goodbye to someone who's flying out who's been a big part of our community. Um, but still, that's within the parameters of our um, of as if we were at home in a yeah. hall, sitting at home um, at a wedding or any any of those other things where Maori are prevalent and and would knock out those things. But in in general, uh, getting that word out to our New Zealand community, um, but that'll 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 get stronger soon because you know there's um, there's a bit of a wave beginning to start now over the. The uh, circle line pub crawl haka, and rightly so, and it was going to happen. And uh, more than likely, I can see that being given away in the mm. not too distant future. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, yeah, I hope um, so. Hey, hey Bruce, just um, just uh, I suppose, just what can we do? Is my question. What can we do, or what do you do, really? Is 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 a way to ensure the knowledge that we share is respected. Um, and yeah, and is left in good shape for future generations. By ourselves or for the people we teach? Um, I suppose we're the ones. I mean, we're the guardians of it in the sense that mm -hmm. we share it, you know, and that with this. Um, yeah. So for us, I suppose. Yeah, we well, we have, we have a you know we we do have a sort of custodial sense <laughs> about those things that we do. Um, that we do do so keeping it moving forward and keeping it moving forward with a sort of quality that people would like um again due to the transient nature of the performers that are with us we, we can have someone who's performed in pretty big groups back at home and they can slide in straight in the door and be performing with us um but we also have um you know that that helps it certainly helps with the with the quality of the people that actually come here to London to be around, around with us and, you know, um, in regards to it. Uh, but yeah. I suppose um, still trying to protect that, trying mm. to protect that sort of identity of it yeah. in many ways. Um, I think, I think Bruce, if I can just come in here, that um, there's something that Kane always says as well, is that, um, you know, there's always going to be people who, uh, want to share haka and they don't even know what they're doing and they don't know anything about it and they might be German or Dutch or whatever but um, it's I think it's our responsibility just to, to produce 
to do it in a, in a way which respects the knowledge, i.e. do it in a really um, a positive way, which maintains the integrity and, and quality of the knowledge so that, you know, people could see, I suppose, if you really want to learn haka, there's Māori people you can go to to learn haka and they do it really yeah. well. I think that's I think that's the obligation. Um, that's how yeah. I see it. Yeah, I really had to make sure that I was able to answer most questions about haka when, it, when people would ask about why. Um, you know, it, I certainly had the knowledge up uh, tremendously about that. And then it's just, it depends on the amount of time that you've got to to get it out there. You know, the average gig being 45 minutes, the first 25 minutes, uh, the audience is sitting there, um, you know, and, and that's my time. I have to get all of those things out. Talk about where it come from, where it happened, how we got to that point, how we use it today, how we're drive, trying to drive our people forward today in, a, in, a, in the new modern world while still trying to keep a, a large a base of traditions at our feet with us um, and, and, and move in today's world. And, and um, you know, you get to talk about how, how we are doing that and you can see that on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis. Um, so really it's, it's the talk you, you tend to give and certainly the, the wrapping up of, of how you're trying to connect with people. So really it's the quality of the connection you make with people, the message that you're trying to give, as long as the quality of that message is is at that standard, uh, then that's the best you can do. That's the best you can do. But that's really down to interpretation of the people who are watching sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. especially from home, that's really down to interpretation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> but as long as I sort of have iwi backing and that will always be there, that makes it a, a lot easier. Um, and in and, and, and many ways, you know, we're, I'm an entertainer as well, you know. So um, when you watch old, old Howard Morrison um, videos where that, you know, they're falling around all the way through Eto Hoka you and that, even at the point where they get to uh, – to Ngarimu, where they're singing, they're still having a bit of a laugh and a joke, and you sort of think, okay, no one would do that now. <laughs> so, it's all right. Hey, um, just a few more people have said hello, and I just want to acknowledge my cousin over in Belgium, um, saying hi from the Belgian family, my auntie Brenda Tote in um, Australia. Kia ora from Linda Harper up north. Um, Sol Hinare, tēnā koe bro. Um, saying Atamarie. Um, mata mata. <laughs> and Mr Katipa, yeah. Balance. Oh. Um, Mahirangi again. <laughs> Michelle Rigby, awesome kōrero. Uh, yeah, how play. Rob Hitaraka, geez, this has been a long time. And Mr. Klaassen down in Croydon, um, <laughs> Hey, um, we're going to finish up, but I just want to ask uh, one more question. Uh, I mean, there's a few. Um, well, just quickly, tell us about your most favourite gig. Oh, uh, my most favourite one. Um, I had one where I had, uh, for a really large jewellery company, a huge jewellery company, um, had, we were the entertainment group for the night, and on that group, I had uh, uh, Otani Lewis, <laughs> um, um, Taranga. I had such just a strong group, and Joy. Uh, it was just such a strong performing group that I think um, that that would be my favourite. Um, uh, doing, you know, I mean, think of the places. I mean, uh, 
2007 with uh, Manai and Hakawerks at, at the Rugby World Cup was just the most memorable time and the mm. most amazing time and the most amazing two weeks. And even though the All Blacks were now out of the World Cup, <laughs> the way that we would stand there, the way that we represented, the the, the everything about that was just a, a, a wonderful trip. And, and I, I think that, you know, being there, of course, with Katea, yourself and, and the kids, um, but just every day you got to go down. I think I slid myself into that gig. <laughs> um, but um, just the guys who were with there. And it was early days for you guys too. Yeah. Um, you know, not the but, you know, the way he's, the way he's handled it, everything that went on, it was just uh, a wonderful tour. And I think uh, that that one with, with Manaya, the 2007 Rugby World Cup was certainly my favourite. Um, awesome. Hey, Bruce, um, even though we've got a few years left in us, um, <laughs> we're hoping, uh, we were both hoping that some young Māori will come through and be interested in doing similar things to what we're doing and um, either with us or by themselves. Um, what, what sort of advice would you give to, to someone in that situation that wanted to set up um, sharing Māori cultural knowledge with the world? Oh, um, I certainly think it's a big world and there's, a lot out there. There's a lot of work out there in, in that regards. Um, well, love what you do. It helps, you know, <laughs> love what you do. Um, be a people person, you know, get those upskill and really know how to. But you've just got to be strong. You've just got to be strong. you just, you got to, it's easy to say yes. Yes is real easy. But it's learning how to say no to those things, those, those things. And, and that's what it is. Be strong. Just say uh, no, I mean, of course, for people that that's it, it's different for each person where they gauge that sort of mark. But you've got to always think about who you represent and your your iwi at home and and what they would think. Um, and generally, if you do it right, you, you know they can be proud of you and you can be proud of the work that you do. But um, yeah, really, um, you know, like any business, you've just got to be strong and 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 have that. Hindsight's not much good, so foresight has to be has to be your friend. You have to make decisions; they have to be the correct ones, and they have to be. Oh, we've all been caught out. It's easy. Any business yeah. does, in any entertainment business, they'll be caught. But you learn from that one, and you pretty much never do that again. So, and that would that would be it. Um, awesome. But yeah, right. I think too. Um, not in those, as well as in those moments. You know, it's a long game, isn't it? And um, as we're discovering right now. Um, we have some really amazing years and some really rubbish years, you know, and um, mm. 2020 is certainly one of the interesting ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. There's not, not a lot going on in terms of the events and conference industry uh, around the world. So, mm. um, but it's, it's a matter of, you know, having the ability to stick it out when it's difficult and enjoying it when it's, when it's going really well. Yeah. Well, look, look at Nati Ranana, you know, they're still running practice every week in and out and whether, you know, whether people think it helps or it doesn't help, what it does show is that they're still there. There's still a whānau, uh, no matter what, still, there's still a Māori community. They still love being together. Um, that manaki is still there. And in spite of our losses, you know, and in spite of the things we have to punch yet, we're always going to remain true to that thought as Māori people here, that we will always be cohesive. Um, we're always there. You know, as a long-termer here, you know, you, you'll always be there for other people and for our young Māori. And, and I think that that's the important message is, is 
to just know that you know we're keeping going we're going and we're keeping going yeah. and keeping going it's hard too because we have to watch those fights that those problems that are going on in new zealand and uh and we don't have them here you know like yeah. we don't have them here so how to total call that back at home um how to sort of get a sense of of the problem too you know that that's hard i mean the whole you know the whole methamphetamine use at home and how it's decimating uh, many of our communities um you know i don't see it I don't see it, so it's real hard. But I know, it, you know, it's becoming a normality in, in many places, and and you want to fight that. So when people come over, our young people come over, it's, you know, it's trying to say, you know, there are much better ways to to get that natural well-being and that better feeling, and how to stay that strong, and what it is that you have to lose. And for many of them, they cannot see it there, but they no. can see it here. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I like about here. So just one more um, chance to really hit to people. Uh, I'm going to leave it to you to um, say, um, just to encourage some more people to come over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's always there. It's a good life. And, wow, you just think, um, you know, my last gig before lockdown was in Florida, in Orlando. I'd been there for the last four years, um, off to Austin, Texas. Before that, the day before that, I'd done a gig in uh, Marlborough House, one of the palaces for the um, Commonwealth Secretariat. You know, you just find yourselves on <laughs> on the most amazing places. That's just amazing. And it, for me, it's even head spinning sometimes, the companies we get to deal with. I mean, I, I don't know many Māori get to deal with <laughs> the companies we get to deal with on a, on a week-to-week basis. It's, it's you know, they, they are large and blue chip. But no matter what, we, we still do those smaller gigs we we're sort of very benevolent on depends what we can do we still do a lot of community stuff just still do a lot of charitable work and and keep those things going but um yeah for our young people you come over we can take you yeah. on that ride sort of thing it's uh, you come over with those talents i hope you got a lot more talent than i ever came over <laughs> with. yeah i know where you're coming from there bro um talk about me of course Hey, just a couple more people saying hi, and then I'll let you finish off with a waiter. Um, so we've got Petra, you're doing a really good job on passing knowledge and educating us. Thank you, Carl and Bruce. Um, any, any Ulisse, kia ora, kazi, Bruce. This is talk is awesome. Thank you both. Uh, and we've got Carl Bates coming in again. Great to hear your thoughts, impressions on Māori culture, privilege we're learning it. Uh, we're privileged in learning it. Uh, mihi from Luke. Thank you, mihi, uh, Luke. Um, thank you both, he says. Forever grateful for all the opportunities. Rene K, thank you for your cordial and, and time. He's such a well. nice boy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Certainly is. Kia koe, bro. Waiho mai te waiho te mutupai runga te kaupapa. Mihia te kia koe, mo to kōrero, mo to mātou ranga, e tukuna mai kia mātou i tēnei wā. Tēnā koe. Kia ora. Oh, he waita, yeah. Ahe puru. Just trying to remember this. A hippo do tie tama e hippo do tie tama hippo do tie tama hippo do tuki tuki hippo do tie tama e kahare taua e kirunga o tapi hoki. Kirere taua whakarite rite ai, whakoti oti ai e, whakoti oti ai e. Kia ora. Ka pai.
Nama Hebrews. Kia ora. Nama Hebrews.